the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We can discern not our own purpose, but the purpose of God to reflect His glory through our faith in Jesus. There's no greater purpose anyway than that for His children. That's why we're always thinking about ways to honor the name of the Lord in everything that we do in our life. We're always trying to discern whatever decisions we make in life, whatever words come out of our mouths, however we engage people in or outside uh, our own spheres. We're always thinking about how God can be honored and glorified because that's what God is doing in each and every person. Did you know that this morning? God, even right now, by His Holy Spirit, He's putting that in your heart and mine, and mine too. That's our preoccupation. We think about that all the time. That's why when we're, you know, like watching television, when you're watching something, and it all of a sudden it veers into this territory, we're in, well, you know, this is not going to be glorifying to God if I feed my mind with this junk. And you, you flip the channel. Isn't that right? And you're in a conversation with somebody, and all of a sudden the conversation turned into a, uh, you know, an attack or a slight on another person, what do you do? You, you put a stop. I mean, time out on that. Why do you do it? Do you do it because you're holier than thou? Do you do it because you're more righteous than the other person? No, you do it because you have a discerning mind. You know it's going to offend God, so you stop. You simply stop. I simply stop. And we're called to do that. Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. That's a commandment, you know. It's not a suggestion. It says, don't be foolish. What is a fool? A fool all engages in conversation, engages in activity without even questioning whether God is honored and glorified, whether this is God's will. Okay, don't get me into dealing with the will of God again. Okay, I preach on it enough. But by virtue of our faith in Jesus, God placed His will in our heart, okay? You and I should know the will of God, how it works, what, what, what the panels are when it comes, what, what the perimeters are, the parameters to the will of God. We need to know that. We need to discern that. You know, this is not a religious meeting. <laughs> may, I, may I just say that to you? you you're in church, and we have quote-unquote, religious structures, but this is not a religious gathering. This is the way of life for followers of Jesus. Has been for 2,021 years. Okay? So you're not in some assembly of some religious people gathering together. I, I, I reject that notion. You are in here because it is the will of God for you to be here. And you know that, don't you? Amen. You do. God's purpose, that's His will, to reflect His glory. He's the one who helps us in that process. He works things out in our lives for His glory and purpose. We're all familiar with this verse in Romans 8.28, and I think you can quote it for, from memory. It says, 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You are called according to one purpose. I am called according to one purpose. And that one purpose is to reflect the glory of Christ. To reflect the glory of Christ. As God's children, we're not our own anymore. And I hate to, to drop that cold water on somebody this morning. But you're not your own anymore when you become a Christian. You have been bought with a great price. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. You're not your own. Jesus is now king. Say amen to that one. That's a good part to say amen to. Jesus is now our king. And it's not about our purposes anymore. It's about his purpose now. It's about what he's trying to do. And God, according to Max Locato, and I've never forgotten this quote from Max Locato, and I'm giving him credit for this. He said this. He says, the, the almighty priority of the almighty is the almighty. That says it all. That should be our mindset. We are to glorify God. We are to act in in areas of our lives that will result in the reflection of God's purpose, which is to carry out the glory of God, to conform our will in, in, in the presence, not only of God, but in the presence of each other. Now that leads us to the third focus of a discerning mind, and that is a discerning mind is focused on people serving or serving People. Look at verses 14 to 15. It says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day that cry on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain serving people as a reflection of God's glory is more than just showing people good deeds to, when when Paul says you you are to shine like stars he, he's talking about more than just doing uh, showing kindness or goodness to other people, especially to those who are unbelievers. Sometimes we get caught up into thinking that, hey, if I just become a good model citizen in, in, the, in, the, in the presence of those who don't believe in Jesus, then somehow, somehow they may come to faith in Jesus because of my good deeds. It goes deeper than that. We don't, we, we don't, our, our, the Bible says our good deeds only has value when we are in Christ. So there's got to be something else going on, okay? Uh, uh, serving people. Serving people is more than just doing the good things we know how in order to reach them. It's more than just good acts. Acts that, 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 that will, will, you know, make people think about who you are and identify you as Christians. It's more than that. They need to know where that, that light, where that star that's lighting, they have to know where that's coming from. They need to know the source of that light. They need to know where it's emanating. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He says, let your light shine. Let it shine first before they can see the good deeds. Okay, so they need to know first why you're behaving, why you think a certain way, why you make decisions a certain way. They need to know where that light is coming from, and it's coming from your deeply rooted relationship with Jesus. That's how we become the light of the world. We're not just going out there being goody two shoes type people, you know, hey, I'm feeding the hungry and housing the homeless and doing all of these things. Those are fine and great wonderful ministries but sooner or later people have got to know that you're doing it because the light of christ is in your life it has to happen that way sooner or later you're going to have to tell them about jesus verbally it's not enough to just do these good things at some point they need to know the source of the light let the light shine first before the good deeds, because they, they'll, when, when, when you do a good thing to somebody, they're liable to say, oh, you're a nice guy, and that's about it. No, they got to know you are a follower of Jesus. And why is that important? Because I guarantee you, you have atheist friends. You have agnostic friends. You have friends that don't even believe in Jesus that are more ethical than those who do that are better in what they do. They're, they're showing more kindness. But without Jesus, all of those good deeds are meaningless. Isaiah says, the works of our hands are like filthy rags. The good things we do, my, that doesn't matter to God because God has one agenda to reflect the glory of His name through us. So people have got to know. We got to know for ourselves because it's not enough to just say, hey, I'm doing all of these good things. Here's a much deeper question. How deep is your relationship with Jesus? Because everything automatically fl flows out of that. Otherwise, you're a Christian on Sunday and you swear like a sailor on Monday to Saturday and nothing else matters from as far as ethics, as, as far as being a uh, a transparent person is concerned. We have been so influenced by our culture that we, we seem to want to be seen as nothing more than good people, that we are about simply doing good things. Sure, we do all of these good things. We as a church, have, we, we do our part. But the primary purpose of Living Rock is to make sure that every person in here understands that you are responsible for reflecting the glory of Christ, not your church, not as an organization, but you as an individual Christian. When people engage you, do they know that you are a Christian? Because if you say, well, you know, I, I, I do this thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, they can say, oh, I do the same thing and even more than you do. So what difference does it make? No, the light here. Is about serving people so that they see uh, Jesus. Okay? Uh, there was a very popular song in the 1970s. I was in high school when this song came out. It's by, by Billy Davis and Marilyn McCoo. 
And it, it goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to recite it because we're on the radio and you know, people might. It goes like this. You don't have to be a star, baby, to be in my show. You don't have to be a star, baby, to be in my show. If you're a Christian, I hate to break the bad news, but in the kingdom of God, you have to be a star to be in God's show. Paul says you have to shine like stars. You have to shine like stars so that the wicked and warped generation will see the difference in your life. He says, in everything you do, you must become pure and blameless children of God in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among them as stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of truth, the word of life. The word used here is the word luminary. You are a bright light in the midst of darkness. Luminaries. You know, that, that was the word used here. It's like, uh, you know, a, cele- a celebrity, you know. I was, I was once... Um, Walking in a mall, and um, and I, I and and there's this one NBA player that was shopping in that same mall. Or was was it a football player? He was a player because he 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 stood like six foot eleven, you know, three hundred and fifty pounds or something like that. And let me tell you, he stood out, okay, in the midst of all of us four eleven people. <laughs> That's the word. You need to shine. I need to shine. Like a star in a very dark world. Like looking at the, s- the skies at night. In, in the midst of all of that darkness, you see that the twinkle of that star. That's, that's what Paul is saying. To show them that your good deeds come from, comes from the real source of life. It comes through Jesus, the source of life. The only source of life. They must see Jesus through our godly stance in everything. You know, don't be afraid. Uh, to make a stand in front, of, in front of people about where you stand on certain issues that we face in this world. You know, when, it, when you know that it's a godly stand, don't be afraid. You're shining like stars. I'm shining like star when I, a star, y- you know, not a celebrity, okay? <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, in, in the Western world, we put a lot, of, a lot of celebrity status to people of accomplishments. And that's kind of sad, you know? There's a lot of celebrities type ministers and all of that and what where does the church how what did we gain from that really you know pastors are not supposed to be celebrities pastors are supposed to be what servants servants now now don't don't take that too hard and have me clean up the chairs after the service but that's what we are and you know what here's the good news so are each and every one of you oh Servants of the living Christ. You know, we, do, we, don't have, we don't have that kind of entitlement where we can say, you know, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a person of some prestige. That's not what it means to be a luminary. It means you, start, you, 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 uh, you live a life that can be seen as one who's redeemed by a greater light. Uh, let me share, share this story. And I, I, I know I can get carried away, but I, I had a privilege of conducting a funeral of a man who had lived a very violent life when he was much younger. And I met him when, when he was uh, dying of liver failure. And um, in, in one of my, con- my final conversations with him, he was telling me, you know, uh, Pastor, I, I, 
I have a lot of regrets. And I stopped him right there. I said, it's too late. You came to faith in Jesus. It's time to put that in the past. Believe it or not, the grace of God is sufficient. He has forgiven you and he loves you. And when you die, even right now, in the midst of your deathbed, when you die, you're going to heaven and all of that. And he, he stopped me and he says, oh, I get that. I know that in my heart. My regret is that I never had a chance to shine with the friends that I hang out with. I never had a, a chance to show them the, the, the life that I now have in Jesus. I wish I had more time to have been able to share with them how good the grace of God is. And, and you know, that was his regret. And sure enough, when I conducted the funeral, I was about to pray, and five of his old biker buddies showed up. All five of them interrupted the service, walked right in the middle, and started talking interrupting me, started talking. I'm, 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 I'm serious. Saying all kinds of great things about the man, you know, that they used to hang out with. He said, you know, he's, he's a good guy, but boy, we had some fun. We, had some, we did some really bad things back in the day. And he was doing it in between cussing and swearing, in between sentences. And I was getting so angry. I was getting so mad. I have this righteous indignation. But then again, I looked at them. There's five of them. The shortest one is six foot one. So instead of righteous indignation, I used wisdom. <laughs> and I didn't say a word. But the point is, it's a little too late. I mean, uh, and, and when I had my opportunity to preach, I did look at those five men and I said, you know, if this man that you're honoring today is alive today, he will tell you what he found. He will tell you that he found redemption. He will tell you that he found a new life. He will tell you that the life that he had is a thousand million times better than what you had with him. And that's what it's all about. That's what it means to serve people. To serve people is to let them see the light of Christ in the things that we stand for. In the things that we do, we're not being better than anybody. We're being reflectors of what we know is true in our life. And that is, if not for the grace and mercy of God, I'd be spending my life here on in a living hell, literally. And that will only lead to eternal hell. And there's a final point this morning. And if we stand out, a discerning mind finally focuses on preparing on preparing to personally sacrifice, personally sacrificing, okay? Verses 17 to 18, Paul says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you, so you should be glad and rejoice with me. You know what? It's sad that in the church, the, 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 the subject of surrender and sacrifice and suffering are taken negatively. I mean, that's, that's a really sad thing. But Paul's perspective on sacrifice is so much more positive. He says it's a source of rejoicing, you know, because he understood that to be in Christ means to share in his glory and to share in his suffering as well. This is a positive thing, to surrender to God, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, to, to be able to surrender and to be able to, to, to show the world that we're willing to, to, to let go of our, some of our conveniences to be able to serve the Lord is a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor. Paul's perspective 
on suffering is it's about serving sacrificially. It, it's not a negative thing. He said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. What's he talking about being poured out as a drink offering? You ever wonder what that means? Well, it means this. This is what Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verses 37 to 38. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, On the last day and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is what Paul was saying. He's saying, I drank from the well of life that Jesus has given me. Jesus says, I am the water of life. And if you drink from me, rivers of living water will flow in and through you. And what Paul is saying is, hey, I know what it's like to drink from the well of life that Jesus is giving. And now that same water that I got, that same life, that same insight, that same revelation, that same, same attitude, everything that I have drank from Christ, I am now pouring to you. I'm not giving to you. You now have to drink of the same well I'm drinking from. And that was his admonition to the Philippian church. And that's his admonition to each and every one of us now. Jesus is the well of life. You want real life? You want real joy? You want real gladness? Don't look anywhere else. Jesus says, anyone who's thirsty, he can come to me and drink. And when you drink from the well that I give you, you'll never be thirsty again. That's not coming from some guy. It's coming from God himself. In the person of Jesus. And he shares that. That's, a, that's our life. That's what the sacrificial life is. You know, sometimes we need to, to suffer in order to serve. Suffer meaning we need to give up some things, right? We need to give up some friends. We need to give up some a career sometimes. I mean, God forbid, you know. But in order to be able to uh, let other people drink, we need to sacrifice a little bit. Because that's where life flows, you know. You know, if, if, if somebody, somebody gives you a, a, a glass of water and they said, this is 99.9% .9 pure, there's a drop of cyanide in it. <laughs> Would you drink it? Probably not, unless you're real thirsty, right? And one drop of cyanide, you know. But, but, but the way we, we, we think sometimes is, you know, hey, I, I, there's a lot of sources to drink from in my life. You know, when I'm, when I'm sad, there's always that diversion. When I'm, when I'm dealing with a problem in my marriage or a problem in my relationship, there's this, this source of drink. There's this source of, of help and all of that. And I'm not knocking all the help that we have in the world, okay? Please don't. I'm not anti-anything. I'm simply pro-Jesus. I think Jesus has the words that lead to eternal life. And I think what Jesus gives us is far greater than what the temporary solutions that the world has to offer. He admonished them to put in their mind Jesus. Put a humble mind and understand that the sacrifices of praise that they offer to Jesus is, is really ministering to other people. That's how you pour out yourself. You know, what you do here uh, on a Sunday, you know, when we pray, when you reach out to somebody, that you're pouring 
something to somebody, unless your conversation is about gossip or something like that, which you shouldn't do at church. But whatever we do to each other, whatever we share with each other, that's part of the sacrifice we have to make. We have to endure the worship team every Sunday. I'm kidding. What they're doing is they're pouring themselves to us during worship. Not to endure. Not for us to say, you know, yeah. When are we going in back inside? Pastor, when they run out of masks. <laughs> Whatever we pour into people. Life without Jesus is like a barren, dry ground. It can't grow any plants. It can't grow any flowers. It needs to drink from the rain that comes from heaven. The same thing with each and every one of us. Unless we pour ourselves to each other because we're drinking from the same fountain. We'll never flourish. We will stifle in our growth. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.